Welcome to the Adamant Circle, a special edition of the Deliberative Podcast that seeks to teach you about the game of Exalted. This is Stage 3. Hi, I'm Corey, and I want to talk just a little bit about the unique rules and mechanics of the game of Exalted. Exalted uses a modified version of the Storyteller rule system that was first popularized in other White Wolf games like Vampire the Masquerade and Mage the Ascension. It exclusively uses 10-sided dice, and in most cases, players will be rolling a handful of these D10s every time a dice roll is called for. Contrary to what you might expect, though, the numbers on the dice are not all added together to get a single result but each die is actually rolled against a target number, and the success or failure of the action is dictated by how many of the rolled dice beat the target. In Exalted, the target number is almost always 7, and so each die that rolls a 7 or higher is called a success. For most tasks, a single success is all that it takes to succeed at the action, but complications can increase the number of successes required. Most of the time, rolling a 10 on a single die will count as two successes. This means that it is mathematically possible to roll more successes than the number of dice rolled. The higher the number of successes rolled, the more dramatically the action succeeds. If a roll fails to garner any successes, however, or if it doesn't roll enough successes, if more than one were needed, then the action fails. Most of the time, this is just a simple failure. Your character was unable to pick the lock or missed when he swung his sword at the enemy. Sometimes, though, a character fails dramatically. This is known as a botch, and it happens when you roll no successes and at least one one on a die. In this case, your character's lockpick might break off inside the lock, or your sword might slip right out of your character's hand in the midpoint of his swing. The number of dice rolled for any given action is a number calculated from adding two of your character's statistics together. The first number in this equation is the most applicable attribute for the action being attempted. Your character's attributes represent his or her most basic level of capability in physical, mental, or social matters. Much of this you could call genetic, but it can also be enhanced or degraded. Your character's appearance could be marred by a bad scar, for example, or your character's strength could be increased through frequent training. But for the most part, these are stable representations of your character's most innate potential. The other number that is added to the applicable attribute to arrive at the number of dice necessary to roll for any given action is the applicable ability which addresses that action. Abilities are trained skills, something your character has developed through instruction, training, and practice. While attributes govern things like charisma and stamina, abilities describe how good your character is at performance art, or riding a horse, or wielding melee weapons. When a character attempts to do something, therefore, the storyteller determines which of the character's innate attributes combines with the character's appropriate trained ability, and those two numbers, each rated somewhere between 0 and 5, are added together to give the number of dice which need to be rolled. If your character were to attempt to pick a lock, for example, the storyteller would tell you to roll your character's dexterity, an attribute, plus your character's larceny, an ability. If your character were to attempt to seduce another character, however, the storyteller would tell you to roll your character's appearance plus presence. 
Since this is a game about quasi-Asian fantasy superheroes, though, the types of actions that characters attempt are usually far more incredible than the kinds of things that ordinary people do. To that end, exalted characters also have a number of charms. Think of these as something like magical powers that can greatly increase the number of dice that are rolled or otherwise affect the results of those rolls by lowering the difficulty number, doubling the number of successes on results other than 10, or re-rolling dice that land on ones, etc. These charms allow exalts to instantly jump to the roof of a two-story building, to cleave an enemy in half with a single swipe of the sword, or to lift and throw a horse as a weapon. When a player wants to use a charm in an action, that player simply announces which charms his or her character is using and pays the necessary cost for doing so. In most cases, this cost will be in motes of essence, a sort of currency of spiritual energy that all types of exalted use to power their abilities. These motes replenish over time. When characters enter combat, some very interesting things happen. In most tabletop role-playing games, hits are traded back and forth between combatants, and each character's pool of health points is gradually chipped away until one side is the victor. Exalted 3rd Edition approaches combat very differently. Its combat system was inspired by the very cinematic fight choreography of wushu action movies, where the combatants push each other back and forth across the battlefield with terrific displays of martial prowess until one of the combatants gets the upper hand and strikes decisively, seriously injuring or killing his or her opponent. To represent this, the game of Exalted has two different types of combat attacks. When you want your character to attack another character, you must choose between making a withering or decisive attack. The difference is that a withering attack steals your opponent's initiative and gives it to your character, and a decisive attack cashes in the amount of initiative your character has accumulated to actually damage the opponent. This perfectly models the back-and-forth action of a well-choreographed fight scene. Each combatant is jockeying for position by stealing initiative from the other, but eventually the one with the greatest ability or the most luck will come out ahead and make a critical strike that can actually do serious harm to the other. This critical moment is represented in the decisive attack. A decisive attack is made in very much the same way as a withering attack is made, but with a couple of key differences. Withering attacks are made by combining a character's dexterity with their ability in a particular weapon or fighting style, along with a special bonus for the accuracy rating of the weapon being wielded. And then the number of successes from this roll is compared to either the opponent's parry defense, if the opponent is attempting to block the attack, or the opponent's evasion defense, if the opponent is attempting to dodge the attack. If the number of successes rolled equals or exceeds the applicable defense rating, the attack hits and it does an amount of damage determined by the weapon being used, the strength of the wielder, and the number of successes on the roll in excess of the defense value. In a decisive attack, however, the weapon's accuracy rating is not added to the initial attack roll, and the damage roll is always equal to the attacking character's current initiative rating. And while a withering attack only steals initiative from the opponent, a decisive attack's damage rolled gets written down directly against the opponent's health track, doing permanent harm. Exalted also has clever mechanics for determining how a single character can fight an entire gang or battalion of enemies at once, or how more than one battle group, as these clusters of combatants are called, can fight each other. 
The rules simplify the large grouping into a single combatant that acts only once on each round of combat, hitting everyone in range. And damage to this battle group, by individuals or other groups, is represented by the group gradually being reduced in size, through injury, death, and desertion, unless a commander can rally the troops and bolster their numbers. This system allows for a quick and easy way to narrate the course of a massive conflict. Outside of combat, there are other more intimate ways for characters to interact. Exalted 3rd Edition uses a very intuitive yet intricate system for social interaction that revolves around a character's set of intimacies. Intimacies are decided upon at character creation and can be gained and lost through play. These represent the people, things, and ideals that the character cares about, whether they be associated with positive or negative emotions. An intimacy could represent an adherence to an ideal such as always tell the truth, or even a bitter hatred toward a specific person like an abusive mother. These intimacies come in three different intensities, minor, major, and defining. The more intense an intimacy, the more it can either hinder someone trying to make your character act in contradiction to that intimacy, or help someone trying to convince your character to act in accordance with that intimacy. And since these intimacies are so important in convincing characters to take action, discovering another character's intimacies, learning what makes them tick, becomes a huge part of social interaction, just like in real life. Characters have a computed guile rating that dictates how hard it is for another character to discover their intimacies, and characters have a computed resolve rating that dictates how hard it is to persuade someone to take a desired action. It is this resolve rating that is weakened or bolstered by the target character's intimacies. And, as was mentioned before, the charms that are a part of each exalted character greatly influence actions and roles in all of these various systems. And each type of exalt, solar, lunar, sidereal, dragon-blooded, or any other type, all have their own catalog of charms. This is what determines the difference of ability between the various exalt types. Solar charms are all about perfection and strength and tend to add a lot of dice to attempted actions. Lunar charms are all about shape-shifting and coming at problems from unexpected angles. Dragon-blooded charms channel the power of the five elements and are noticeably weaker than most other exalt types, while sidereal charms lower the target number for success on individual dice and affect fate and destiny. In addition to charm magic, however, there is another kind of magic that can be wielded by the exalted, and even by some mortals, and that is the art of sorcery. While the magic of charms springs from the innate personality and ability of the individual, bolstered by the spiritual engine of the exaltation, sorcery is the art of manipulating the fundamental forces of the universe directly. Sorcery in Exalted is a bit of a mixed bag. There are certainly spells, just like you would find in almost any other tabletop role-playing game, although the spells in Exalted tend to be very big, very flashy, and very dangerous affairs compared to what you might find in Pathfinder or Dungeons & Dragons. But Exalted also has a freeform system for accomplishing magical effects, and it calls these Sorceress Workings. Whereas a spell is something that can be cast on the fly in the midst of a fast-paced combat, a sorceress working is something that takes a significant amount of time, materials, and focus. A battlefield spell might send 10,000 obsidian butterflies slicing through a battalion of soldiers, killing dozens at a time. But a sorceress working could uproot a city and cause it to be able to fly through the air, or extend the harvest season of a nation to last an additional month each year. But while these sorceress workings are much more powerful and require much more time and energy, they are not taught like spells. 
They are essentially improvised on the spot. All that a sorcerer needs to do is decide what effect will be accomplished and then figure out which power tier that effect belongs in. The ambition of the project and the degree of control the sorcerer wants over the effect, called the finesse of the working, determine how difficult the role will be to make it all happen. These rolls are not made all at once. Instead, the dice are rolled at intervals throughout the duration of the casting, and failures along the way can introduce interesting complications in the overall effect of the sorceress working. Physically crafting new items and artifacts uses a very similar system, albeit with a different set of attributes and abilities being used. Artifacts in Exalted are also very different from what you may find in other tabletop role-playing games. Rather than just providing a single magical effect, Artifacts in Exalted each possess their own form of charms, called evocations. The wielder of a particular artifact either discovers these powers or imbues them into an artifact as their legend grows together. By combining the evocations of a particular artifact with the charms of a particular exalt, truly epic deeds can be accomplished. This concludes Stage 3, The Adamant Circle. To learn more, you may purchase the Exalted 3rd Edition Core Rulebook from DriveThroughRPG.com. You can also purchase the Tomb of Dreams, the Exalted 3rd Edition Jumpstart from the same place, which provides a streamlined presentation of the rules, some pre-made characters, and an introductory story for a very low price. The links to both of these will be in the episode description. For more information about the game of Exalted, don't forget to listen to the Deliberative Podcast, and if you have any additional questions or comments, please feel free to send them to thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. Goodbye, everybody.